0: Awesome. Well, uh, it's an honor to be able to uh, share with the Lord his place in my heart this morning. We're going to just open in prayer and thank him for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word, how awesome and amazing you are. And we were just singing that just a few moments ago, because that is who you are. God, you're the way maker. God, you're the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. God, you are uh, ever present uh, God uh, uh, light when we're in when we're in darkness And God, when we feel defeated and when we feel exhausted, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit. God, thank you for your people. Thank you that we can meet together with our brothers and sisters, God, and and just be encouraged and strengthened to keep fighting forward. And Lord, we thank you for this incredible mission we've been talking about, which is the Great Commission. And we thank you what we're going to be talking about this morning, God, that you would just share it, uh, Lord, uh, in the manner in which you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of this message is called Operation Family. So we are going to finish and conclude our Mission Possible series, which has been on the Great Commission, and actually kind of go to the beginning of what our actual first mission is, which is our family. So say this with me. Say, my family, my family. Is, my first is my first possible mission. One more time, see, we even got on the screen for you so you can follow right along. So, my family is my first possible mission, not impossible mission. Maybe sometimes it feels impossible, you know. If you're a parent in here, maybe sometimes you getting across your child may feel impossible, maybe a spouse, and you just are always at odds with your spouse and it just feels times are impossible. But no, this is a possible mission. Look at your neighbor and say, Possible, it's possible. It's possible, it actually is possible for you to be in a relationship with your spouse that you guys actually like each other. That can be even more difficult than loving each other, right? You can actually like the person that you said I do to. And we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. So the Great Commission is calling us to go into the world and make disciples, but that starts in our home. Say, my home is where it starts. <laughs> you guys don't sound too convinced but that's okay. <laughs> Friends, it is our job to pour spiritual truths into our family. It's not the church's job. It is our job to pour spiritual truths into our family. It is not the job of the church. Let me clarify this. Okay? Let me just pull back just for a moment. You're just like, "What? Wait, what? What?" No, the church comes alongside to reinforce the values that you have already set in place. Our job, the job of the church, is to come alongside you, to surround you, to reinforce what you're already setting. So we can't set the values, I can't set the values in your home, you have to do that. But as a church, you can bring your family and we can reinforce what you're trying to set in your home, right? Does that make sense? You guys with me? Okay. Actually, I'm going to dial it back just one more for a moment and just let you know this. I know I said that our family is our first possible mission, but in actuality, our first ministry is unto God, while our second ministry is to our family, because you cannot give what you do not have. So you can't give to your family what you yourself are not walking in or have for yourself right? I mean, how many times do they send people who don't know how to swim off into the swimming pool to rescue somebody who's drowning? Never. If they did, they would be idiots. They send a licensed uh, professional, a uh, uh, person who's been qualified, who's went through all of the training and, and they got the nice red shorts on usually in their nice little safety <laughs> harness thing, and if a kid is drowning or, a, or an adult's drowning or kids are roughhousing and somebody's taking too much water in, they send the person that has the skills into save the person that's drowning. And if you are a parent in here and if you've ever went to a public swimming pool, praise God for that, right? Praise God for lifeguards, okay? Because it happens. So, so how is it that we don't have the skills, but yet we want our families to have them. That's why our ministry to the Lord has to be first. We've come here today, hopefully, to draw close to God, right? Isn't that why we've come here today? We've come to gather together. Obviously, you know, see friends, family, have a good time, but to draw close to God so that we can have the goods inside of our hearts, inside of our lives, so that we can give those to those around us that need it. Amen? You guys with me? Good. You guys seem kind of sprite today. That coffee must be uh, uh, extra strong. Good job, Sarah. She's over there. <laughs> serve, serve, serve in. So friends, we must be intentional about the things of God in our homes. Say intentional. intentional. Intentional about the things of God in our homes. Because I'm sure your home, just like mine, is filled with lots of noise. It's filled with with TVs and video games and homework and laundry okay and messiness and food and snacks constantly being consumed and bickering and bickering and argument I mean it's just filled with all of that type of stuff right so sometimes we uh, we we come in our homes and, and it's and we're we're basically we're playing like peacemaker or we're playing we're trying to just like trying to figure all this up, and so if we're not intentional on bringing spiritual truths and bringing some of these values into our home, we'll find ourselves being busy doing all these things and not actually depositing the things that we are truly called to deposit into our into our families, into our marriages, into our homes. Okay, and so is prayer a value in your family? Is it a value in your home? Is it a value? Because if it's a value, you'll you'll do it. Your kids will see you do it. Your spouse will see you do it. Is worship of value in your home? Because if it is, your spouse will see you do it, your kids will see you do it, and perhaps they'll join you in doing that. Is, is reading the Bible, is, is Bible reading value in your home? Your spouse will probably see you doing it. Your kids will see you do it. Because if it's valued in your home, then it'll be practice in your home. Say if it's valued in my home, It'll be practiced in my home. Okay? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his family? You know, friends, and this is the thing. Friends, you may feel like at times you are failing as a parent. You may feel at times that, you know what, I'm not getting this thing correctly. Friends, let me just tell you, okay, from personal experience, I'm only three years into this parenting teenager business, and there's times I feel like a failure. I'm like, oh my goodness, I was a youth pastor and have worked with young people for a long time, and I still feel like I wasn't ready, right? I mean, it just, it, it, just, it is what it is. There's times you just feel like, man, you're just really, you're just really screwing up. I remember one time my wife was, uh, she was uh, pouring her heart out to her mentor, and, uh, and she said, man, I feel like I'm, I'm screwing my kids up, or I'm messing them up, or however it's worded, and her mentor said, that's okay, you will. <laughs> <laughs> It just, you know, we're not human. We're not perfect. They're going to see our best and they're going to see our worst. And there's going to be times that, yeah, we really did. We screwed it up. But there are also, there are also victories in those two. So, you know, we got to have a little bit of uh, grace on ourselves and know that, you know, sometimes I'm going to just keep moving on even if I did suck today, even if I did royally screw up and, and make huge mistakes today. I'm going to keep leaning into him and asking for help. Amen? That's all you can do. Lean into him and say, Lord, I need more grace today. I need more patience today because I am at my wit's end with patience. Or Lord, I just need, you know, I need peace today because I just there's just so much anxiety with everything that's going on and I'm pulled so many ways that I need the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard my heart and my mind. And when we have those things, we can give those things. You can't give to your kids the love and the affection they need if you are at your wit's end and you have nothing left to give. Well, friends, hopefully today, I can give some insight, some helpful tips, maybe to help navigate us through this mission called Operation Family. Say Operation Family. family. These are some things that I've learned through some of my mentors and things, people that have poured into me, and uh, hopefully these are some things that will help you as well on this journey as we're called to disciple those that are living with us. Number one friends, this is the most important if you don't get anything please take this home live it breathe it practice it I don't care if you don't receive the rest of this message just do this part this is the most this is this this is not just for the sermon series this is for your life marry your church life with your home life marry your church life with your home life if you don't do that you, you you might as well just throw in the towel. Because there are too many people, they see a person act a certain way in church and then act a total different way at home. And who it ruins the most is those that are, who are the most valuable to you. There are too many pastor's kids who step away from the ministry, step away from church because the parent, the pastors were one way here, and another way, when they went home. Okay, I've done my absolute, my heart, I'm like, I will, if, if, if my home life is, is, is royally affected because of this, I will give this up. Because this is not more valuable to me. My family's invaluable. They're, they're valuable to me. They're my first mission. And by the grace of God, and I don't say this arrogantly, I say this with the greatest grace that God has given me to, that has been on my life. Ask any of my kids, because be the, they're the best judges. If dad says or acts or does anything any differently from here than he does at home, ask them. I'm not saying that to, I'm trying to set this example. I don't, I don't even, there's even, I don't even like talk religiously from the pulpit because I don't talk like that every day. And I'm okay with people that do that. You know, if you're, every time you see them, they're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, that's great, I'm cool with that. But I don't go around talking like that because I don't talk like that, I don't live like that. Okay? And I know people that are like, you know, Chippy Ho, praise the Lord, coming to church. And that's okay. That's, you know what? That's fine. That's them. Okay? I don't go around doing that. That's not me. What I say here, what I say at home. Okay? And I don't say anything at home that I would regret that could be shouted on the mountaintops. Because isn't that what the scripture says? It says, whatever be whispered in secret will be shouted on the rooftops. And again, I'm not perfect. We make mistakes. I was just talking about this. I feel sometimes, man, I'm failing this thing, you know? But I can tell you this by the grace of God that has been placed in my life. And hopefully you can say this with all of your heart, okay? That what you speak and how you act at church is how we act and speak at home. Do I bring the me that is in God's house into my house? How can I speak and act in God's house should be how I speak and act at home. Which is God's house in the first place. Psalms 24 verse 1 in the NIV says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So if we act one way in God's house, you go home. That's actually God's house too. As are your kids. As are your checkbook. Your dog that you want to kick every once in a while. Oh. Those, they are all the Lord's. Because it says, and all who live in it. Do your kids live in this world? Yes. Is your spouse? Sometimes unreadably uh, and sometimes very patiently. Yes. Is your dog? Yes. Everyone who lives in, the, in this world belongs to the Lord. So if you want to be, oh, I'm going to jump myself, pull back, pull back, pull back. Okay, because okay, I got something else I had to say later. Okay. <laughs> Everything, the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it are you amening the preacher and then not applying the truths you received at your house <laughs> there are too many people sitting here like amen pastor amen but are you amening what's being said at home i don't say amen if it's hitting me in the heart because i'm like "Ooh, i can't amen that yet because that means so be it and i don't know if that's quite there yet <laughs> <laughs> it's working. It's being worked on. Friends, God is not calling us unto perfection. He's calling us unto grace. Man, that's so good. He's not calling us to live perfect. He's not calling you to live perfect. There's this 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 nasty, stupid religious belief that man, you gotta have it all together and look all clean and have all this this whole church thing. No, it's messy. <laughs> It's dirty. It's not perfect. It's full of grace. He's called us unto grace so that we could accept it for ourselves because sometimes we have such high expectations of ourselves and we make a mistake and we beat ourselves up. What does the Lord say about you? We were just singing that, right? What does he say? I thought the scripture says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you are finding yourself falling into condemnation, that is the devil. You need to rebuke that, and you need to rebuke that lie. You need to rebuke that assignment, and you need to move forward. You need to have grace for yourself. You need to accept the grace. And you need to live in grace, because then you can give out grace. How often do people in your life need grace? All the time. I bet you somebody needed grace pulling into this parking lot today. Somebody's going to need grace when you pull out of here. Somebody's going to need grace when you're pumping your gas. Somebody's going to need grace when they're honking at you because for some reason they think you're not going fast enough because the light just turned green and you're still sitting there. <laughs> right? I mean, you can't have you can't give what you don't have. So you have to receive. That's what this that's what this walk is. That's what this amazing journey is us walking receiving grace from the Lord. Grace is empower it's empower. It's it's, it's the power to to move forward. Receiving grace walking in grace, then we can give it because our world needs grace. There's too much judgmental, critical stuff out there that it just needs to be salted with grace. So friends, number one, please, if you don't learn, if you don't leave with anything, leave with this, please marry your church life with your home life. Don't be one way in church and another way at home because that, that, will change absolutely nothing. And your kids will see through that. They'll actually probably grow, grow to despise church and they may even turn away from God from that. By the grace of God, they can stay, you know, moving forward because, you know, by the grace of God. <laughs> so number two, here we go. Do not let your guard down. This is where we screw up a lot. This is where I screw up a lot. Do not let your guard down. <laughs> Never ever leave your wingman. That's a quote from Top Gun. <laughs> ever ever leave your wingman. Which version is that <laughs> oh, the 1986 version. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that's funny. Never ever leave your wingman. I don't know if you know the the movie Top Gun. I just first I revisited that movie the first time in like probably like 20 years. I was like, man, that movie still holds up pretty good. And Maverick, who is the character, he, you know, kind of a showboat, kind of, you know, cocky and stuff. And, and, uh, he, and he is not supposed to leave his wingman. And he thinks he's going to go get the enemy. So he, so he leaves him. He goes around. His wingman gets killed. He gets killed. And then he, he's sitting there beating himself up in the shower. And uh, that's, what, that's what his superior officer says. He said, he said, that's some of the best flying I've ever seen. But you never, ever leave your wingman. Friends, we can have the most powerful ministry, and, and affect thousands and thousands of people. But if you let your guard down, friends, you can, you can lose your family. Man. Why? Because this, we're going to go to this next part here. Because this is the thing, friends, familiarity breeds contempt. Man. What does that mean? You've probably heard that before. Yep. And this is, what, this is what it means. It means extensive knowledge of close association with someone or something leads to a loss of respect for them or it. Wow. Yeah. And we can find ourselves doing this with our own family. This is why Jesus, the scripture says, that he could do very little miracles in his hometown. Why? Because there was contempt because they're like, isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't he the one who was raised with our sons and daughters? He was, he, you know, he went and he was running in the fields with my son, whatever, whatever the thing was. You know, he grew up right among us. And the scripture says he could do very little miracles because of what? Their unbelief. They had unbelief because of familiarity. And friends, let me tell you this. When we allow familiarity in our lives with our family, we'll find ourselves letting our guard down and we'll find ourselves not being the Christ light that we're supposed to be. And it's real easy to do. It's easy to do with people that we've been raised with. It's easy to do with our parents. It's easy to do with our kids. It's easy to do with close relatives. And we just gotta be very careful. That's why number two is friends, don't let your guard down. You can't let your guard down. We start getting, you know, we're like, okay, this is my family, I'm going to relax, I'm going to this, and you let your guard down. And then an hour and a half later, you start getting into an argument over something that you weren't even supposed to because you let your guard down. We're in a fight, right? How many of us know the enemy doesn't give up? He is fighting tooth and nail against each and every one of our lives. The, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he can destroy relationships, he's going to work every ounce of whatever he can to destroy relationships. And if you let your guard down, it gives an opportunity. The scripture says that when Jesus was tempted, and he went through all those temptations, and he, and he won through those temptations. In the book of Luke, it says that Satan left him, and then he would come back at an opportune time. So it's like he's like sitting and waiting for you to have an opportunity of weakness. And when you let your guard down, it's an opportunity for him to... (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you say something you shouldn't have said, you're getting an argument with something you shouldn't have argued over, and then, who knows, you could get into a fist fight, I don't know, whatever your family does. Stomp off, go the other direction, don't talk to each other for your... I don't know, whatever it is. You know, maybe you guys scrap out in the backyard, I don't know, whatever it is. Okay? Right, cuss each other out, right, slamming doors, slapping the dog, I don't know, so... I don't know, I just keep talking about beating the dog just because it's fun. I we, I don't actually do that. Nobody in our house does that, just to let you know. It just sounds kind of fun, you know. It's like fantasy, you know. No, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I would never, I would never, I would never beat my dog in front of people. No, I'm just joking. Just kidding, just kidding. kidding. Rocket. I'm giving it to him when we get home. No, I'm just joking. Love that dog, he's great. So, all right, let's continue on here. Um, when you're. <laughs> your kids are listening. Yeah, they're listening. They know I don't kick my dog. When you're. Fami- <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, friends, when you're familiar with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your relatives, it can very easily breed contempt. We don't want to see any of that stuff happen. And if you just think about this, think about this. Your spouse, if you're married in here, is a gift from God. They belong to God. If you're in here and you're blessed with children, they're a gift from God. Go back to that wife. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing Amen. and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm, I'm curious. I... I, I uh, I wrote this scripture down and I thought, I wonder if this scripture is actually before the one where it says the nagging wife is like living on the corner of a roof or whatever. I, I'm thinking, because it's like Proverbs 22, so I think maybe it was like good at first and then, no, I'm just kidding. No, just kidding. No, but this is the word of the Lord, right? I mean, he who finds a wife, why? Because it is a gift, scripture says. Jesus said it's not good that man should live, live alone and the wife was an answer to a problem. Right? Right? <laughs> right, and she's still fixing all my problems, thank you, yeah. baby, mm. at least most of them, so except for when I'm the problem that can't fix that, that's the problem, so obtains favor, so finds a good thing, so your spouse is a gift, he finds a wife, find a good... your children, they're a gift, so how are we stewarding our relationship with that gift, how are we stewarding that relationship with our children, friends, they belong to their father, Your spouse, your husband, your wife is a son of the king, is a daughter of the king. How are you stewarding that relationship? They don't belong to you just because you stood in front of them and said, I do. You committed to them, they committed to you, but you forgot you did that before the Lord. And it's a cord of three strands that's not easily broken. And it was a covenant relationship that you brought the Lord into when you stood before them. Hopefully you you did that and didn't forget that he was a part of that. Because in that, we're called to be stewards of our relationships. And so they belong to the Lord. So how are you treating his sons? How are you treating his daughters? How are you stewarding the gifts that the Lord has given you called family, called uh, husband, called wife, called children? Because see, God is pretty big on stewardship. Ask the man in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. We're not going to read the parable for sake of time. But if you know the short version, right? There were three stewards who had three different types of talents. One, 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 two, and one, five. And the scripture said that the one who mismanaged it, he mismanaged his talent. He mismanaged the gift that, that the master gave him, buried it. And what happened? The scripture says he was a wicked and lazy servant. And it said he was cast into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's a parable to share with us That the gifts that the Lord placed on us, He is going to collect to see how well we did with those. And your family is a gift. Being married is a gift. Being single is a gift. Right? You don't have to put up with a man or you don't have to put up with a wife. I mean, it's a gift. Right? You can wake up when you want, most likely. Sleep when you want. Walk around in your underwear if you want. Burp and fart and take, you know, and it just stinks up and it just... (laughs) I mean, that's a that's freedom that you can't get when you're married. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you get married and then all of a sudden, nope, you can't do that stuff anymore. Then the guys get together and they're all like, <laughs> yeah, you know, just kind of, it's, it's funny. It's true. It is so true. <laughs> Tell me it isn't true, guys. Tell me, guys are getting together, they start burping in front. I mean, it's just like, you just let it out. It's like, oh, I've been holding this in all month. It's like. Dang. <laughs> That's That's right. Facts. Look at your neighbor say those are facts. They're facts, yep. We get to be ourselves around dudes because we don't care. dudes. All right, so number one, friends, marry our church life with our home life. Number two, don't let your guard down. Number three, I call this no idols or leftovers. Number three is no idols or leftovers. I believe the Lord wants to show us this beautiful cosmic balance of us not going to one side with our family where they get the scraps of what we have left over at the end of the day and that we're not on the other side where we're placing them up as an idol and we're spinning our wheels and doing everything for them. Okay? So it's called no le- no idols or leftovers. Okay, leftover is it's not the yummy Tupperware meal from yesterday. I like leftovers; they're pretty good. Some people don't. If you like leftovers in here, say amen. Amen. The rest of y'all need a revelation of leftovers like that. Okay, we're not, okay, but we're not talking about those leftovers. Okay, those are the good leftovers. Okay, the leftovers that we're talking about is. Okay, the leftovers is when you have given your very best effort to your career, your job, your church, your hobbies. And then at the end of the day, your family gets whatever's left over. That's where our kids and our spouse gets our leftovers and not our best. Or they get what we have left. Okay? No leftovers means... I'm praying for my kids more than I'm yelling at them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I pray a lot Can <laughs> <laughs> a little convicted up there, baby? Just want Nope. <laughs> nope. I no. If you find yourself yelling at your kids more, you need to step up your prayer game. Yeah, step it up. No leftovers means I still, I'm still on my A game when I walk through that door. Say no leftovers. leftovers. You walk through that door and you're present, you serve, you love, and you're a good steward. And I'm not saying this is easy. This is very difficult. When you have spent yourself at your at your job, you've spent yourself whatever is consuming your day. And to have still to be on your A game for the remainder of the day for those who need it the most. Friends, that takes hard work. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that that I get an A plus on that. Sometimes I get a D minus. Sometimes I get an F, but if I'm present, if I'm serving, and sometimes what happens is, as a man, you know, we've got all these to-do lists, the ones that we've created for us and then the triple long one that our wife has created for us, (laughs) and and there's always going to be stuff that needs to happen. Grass is always going to need cut. Leaves are always going to need raked. Snow is always going to need shoveled. Laundry is always going to need folded. I mean, there's always, always, always going to be something. But if you have young kids in your house, friends, be present. Amen? Please, be present. Say, say, so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. Okay? Yes. Amen. So be it. Yes. I'm going to be present. I want to serve. I want to love. Okay? And friends, again, like I said, if I'm honest with myself, guilty as charged, I've, okay, If I if I fall in one area, it's not idolizing my kids, it would be, at times giving them leftovers. That's where, that's, where my, my, that's where I fall into. Maybe that's you. Well, maybe you're on this other end. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're on this other end. And uh, on the other end, the other tendency is to idolize your family, though you would never recognize it and you would never say it is because you would never, ever have an idol in your life because the Lord is number one. But yet our actions would speak otherwise. And this is where your schedule in your life is completely revolved around your kids and your family. All the projects, all the curricular activities, okay, all the sports, all the dancing and gymnastics and uh, martial arts and music lessons and performances, and basically you're a glorified Uber driver. <laughs> Not saying that those things are bad, because you should have your kids involved in that. But if you find your life being spun where where this is a cycle and you're exhausting yourself, exhausting yourself in doing all these things, okay? But there's also something else we got to add to this, okay? Because if you're doing those with your family, that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're an idol. That could just mean you're a good parent because this is where it falls into being an idol, okay? Is when you have the tendency that your child is never wrong. This is where it's become an idol. Your child's never wrong. They have a disagreement with the teacher. The teacher's wrong, but your child's not wrong. They get into a fight at school. The other kid's fault. Not your baby. Right? These are the parents that catch their children every time they fall. Every time they fall, they're there. Boom, 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 boom. What happens when you're bailing them out of trouble when they're young? Eventually, you're going to be bailing them out of jail. It's the truth. It is the truth. I've seen it. I've been in ministry long enough to see it. Right? We've been there. We've been there. <laughs> what happened? You've put your children up as an idol. You've poured your life, your heart, all your resources into them. They can do no wrong. For some reason, I don't know why this happened. I don't know if it's insecurity in your life. I don't know why. But you've spent yourself on them. And in doing so, you've created a hellion. Yeah, that's a real word. It is. And I'm going to get into it. And it's scripture. Watch. It's awesome. I got this revelation. I'm like, yes, I get to say hellion in church. Hellion defined. As a rowdy, mischievous, or troublemaking person, especially a child. Jesus talked about hellions. He talked about hellions. Check this out. I bet you never saw this before. You've seen it, but you didn't see it like this. And this is Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 through 15, talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut up the door of the kingdom and heaven's people's faces, you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea wow. to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them a hellion. Yeah. <laughs> a son of hell. A daughter of hell. Wow. This passage is talking about mentorship going in the wrong direction. When you, when your kid can do no wrong, when you can't see their faults, when you can't correct them, when you can't be the parent, you're trying to be their best friend, and 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 you let them fall from time to time, sometimes your kids need to figure out how to figure things out. Okay, I've heard some very extreme cases, and I wouldn't say go there, where I think I don't know if it was Greg Laurie or something, I remember hearing a pastor saying that their their dad like drove them like two miles or two, excuse me, like two. Two-hour drive away, dropped him off and said, "Okay, son, figure out how to get home," and left him there. I'm not saying do anything crazy like that. Back in the 80s, it all... yeah, but that was back, yeah, that was back before oh, child God. services. You can call it child services on someone. <laughs> <laughs> there is an important lesson to be learned there: that there are going to be times when your kid doesn't have anywhere else to go, and they're going to have to pray and they're going to have to figure that thing out themselves, yeah, That's right. and you can't bail them out. And I'm not saying that is easy. Because it's our natural tendency to protect, to be there, right? To mother bear, to father bear, to, to, right? But our kids got to figure this thing out too. And you can actually create a hellion. <laughs> I love that, so fun. <laughs> if you idolize your kid because what you're telling them is the world revolves around them. Right. If it's always been easy, if, if everything's handed to them on a silver platter all the time, if every time they're getting into trouble, they're getting bailed out by their parent, you've actually idolized your child and you've actually done more detriment to them than, actually, than if you would have beat them. <laughs> scripture says, I'm not saying beat your child. Okay? <laughs> oh! <laughs> you know? At least don't beat them today. Because the Scripture says, that God disciplines those he loves and he rebukes those in whom he calls sons. Meaning that, that discipline is necessary for us to be the person that God has created us to be. And I'm a little old school. I don't believe that, that, that the best way of parenting is for you to sit there and, and reason with your child and try to figure out when they're wanting their way and you wanting your way. You're the parent. You tell them you, that they're not getting their way today and enforce it. Those are the ones you feel embarrassed about and they're in aisle two. And they've thrown themselves on the floor. How is that five-year-old running that home? Because they vitalized their child. Shoot. I got too much pride to let my kids run my house. Jeez. God's still working on that. But you know what I'm saying? Kind of beat that in the, in the ground. Yeah, let's <laughs> move on. Idolizing your children or family can cause you to lose your marriage, lose your sanity, wow. or you can even lose your relationship with God. You can walk away from the faith. Because if they're an idol, doesn't Scripture say Ten Commandments? You away. Right? Ten Commandments. I mean, you'd say, oh, well, God's first, but yet what is really first? Mm-hmm. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, you've got to be a good parent. Don't get me wrong. Be there for them. Love them. Do all that stuff with them. Get them in sports. Do all that stuff. But don't let them run your house. Don't idolize them. Get the grace of the Lord on your life. Ask for them. You know, teach, Lord, teach me your ways that I may know your truth so that you, that you can have and teach your kids proper discipline. You can, have, you know, you can give them proper encouragement. You can do that, that awesome, incredible balance where you're not, you're not giving them the leftovers because you've been spent all day. And you just come home and you pop on the couch, and I'm saying and I know there's days like that, or where you you're raising, you're doing everything, you're spending your entire 20 years of raising kids, and you've idolized your, your you've idolized your, your kids. They move out, and then you don't know who you are anymore because you your identity was wrapped around your kids, and you've been married 25, 30 years, and then all of a sudden you're getting divorced because you don't know the person you said I do to, because you the last 20 years was so based around. Kids. I've seen that. That's a true story. It's a lot of true stories. It's quiet in here. I hope you're encouraged today. This isn't a beat up word, this is an encouraging word because we've got this incredible opportunity. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You may not have kids, you may have young kids, you may have teenagers, you may have adult children. You may not have any kids. You may not be married. You may be single. But know this. The Lord has called us to love our family first. Otherwise, all the other things we do for everyone else, we can do things for everyone else and they'll never, ever. Real quick story. I remember one time, and this is, this is where I balance this out. I remember, that, I mean, there's been some times where ministry is pulling at me or people are pulling at me. And 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 there's an assignment or not assignment, wrong word. There's a, an engagement with one of my kids. You know, maybe the, a, a baseball game or a football game. And, and so I have to weigh this thing out. What's more valuable? What's going to be most fruitful? Most likely this counseling session, this person will never, they'll forget it. I, I'm going to forget it. But my child will remember me being at their game. My wa- my wife, who's forty one years old, and gorgeous. Why are you so wonderful? <laughs> Remembers her parents being to every one of her cheerleading games. Forty one. So that was more valuable. So that's where, that's we just have to weigh this thing out. You know what I'm saying? So can we pray today? I want you to receive the grace of the Lord that he has for you in this possible mission. Because he has grace for you. He has grace for you to live this thing out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for how, God, your word, it shapes and it molds us and it calls us to become better and more like you. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us this incredible gift called marriage, called parenting. And we want to be the absolute best stewards you've called us to be. So Father, I just repent, God, of times that I've, I've made mistakes and fallen short. I, don't want, I want to marry my church life with my home life. God, I want to be the type of person that doesn't let my guard down and then I find myself saying and do stupid stuff. And God, I want to be the person that doesn't allow my family to become an idol or that I give them the leftovers of what I have left in the day. So, Father, we just come before you and we ask for the great grace that comes from your spirit and your presence to be upon our lives. God, that we can live out this possible mission you've called us to live. God, that we can be the husband you've called us to be. God, that we can be the wife you've called us to be. God, that we can be the father you've called us to be. God, that we can be the mother you've called us to be. God, that we can be the sons and the daughters that you have called us to be. We come before you and we ask for the great grace of the Lord to be upon our lives. For us to live this thing in victory, God. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, if we've fallen short, if we've made mistakes, God, if we've said stuff, if we've done stuff, if we feel like we've ruined our kids, we just thank you for this day forward, God, that we would do our very best as unto you, as a sacrifice to say, God, I love you. I want want to be a good steward to the gifts that you've given me. And God, we ask, God, would you do this in a powerful, incredible way? Even now, Holy Spirit, would you fill our lives fresh and anew, fresh and anew? The peace of God the joy of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father. Let these things be be fruitful in our hearts. Patience, kindness, Jesus, wisdom. We say we love you, God. We want to honor you. And you are so good. And we just... I want to just take a moment to just remember how thankful we are, God. As we're celebrating Thanksgiving here this week, the sacrifice that people made to have the freedom that we're able to walk in, huh, the journey to get to America, God, and, huh, and the giving nature of the Native Americans, God, just what a What a beautiful thing that we can celebrate this this week. Jesus, and we want to be thankful. Thank you for our opportunities that we have with our families. Lord, let us be on guard. Help us not to be familiar. Empower us to walk uprightly. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining with us today. Yeah.
1: It's a powerful word this morning. And there's a verse I want you to to leave with you, if while it's in Nehemiah, and it's uh, chapter two, or chapter four, verse 14. Write it down. Look at it later. Nehemiah was the man of God who was concerned about the walls around the city that were in Disarray. The enemy could come in. And so he came to Jerusalem to build up the walls. This is the guy that's speaking. He came to build up the walls. In, when you think about family, families become cities pretty soon. Jerusalem was a city of Jewish families. Think about the name Smith. How many are there? Johnson. How many are there? Think about your last name. How many are there? It doesn't take very many generations, and you got a city that needs to be protected with some walls. Jeremiah says this, and I just think this is so powerful. I'm going to start in the middle of the verse. It says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Listen to this. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your family. I want you to take and think about that fight for your family. Just think about it this week as you get together with with family for Thanksgiving. Are there those struggling in your family that you're going to be with? Fight for them. Pull them alongside say, I know what you're going through. I'm praying for you. In fact, I'm going to commit that I'm going to pray for you X amount of days, three days, one week, whatever it is. Let them know you're not alone. I'm fighting with you. See one of your kids that are struggling about something? Say, listen, come here. I know you're struggling with something. I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm committing to you that I'm going to pray X amount of days for you. Think about what are the enemies to your family? Is it anger? Is it maybe fear? Is it maybe lust? What are the things that you're fighting against, as well as what are you fighting for, for your family? Take that to Thanksgiving this week. Take that to Thanksgiving this week. Fight for your family. Fight for your homes. And remember this great word that we heard this morning.
0: Thank you, Pastor Bill. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving.